Hello, and welcome to the Angelic Healing Podcast. In this space, myself or members of my North American team want to talk about all sorts of different topics, such as spirituality, gifts, healing, awakenings, and many, many more. I hope the time that you spend with us here, you find a little peace and harmony, and maybe even a few answers along the way. Thank you for being here. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Angelic Healing Podcast. I'm here today with my daughter, Dana. We're jumping into some really hot topics this week. Um, So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to kick it right over to Dana, first and foremost, and she can kind of describe this topic and where we're going this week. And yeah, let's just get after it today. I feel kind of, let's stop talking and just get after it, you know? It seems like that's the theme of the week, as you said. Obviously, as you've probably already seen, the title of today's conversation is Feelings Versus Behavior. And we had a conversation on the podcast a while back, and this was just a, a floating thought that we felt, I felt, needed a bit more discussion. And uh, a lot of times when we come into journeys of learning how to validate our own feelings, how to respect our own feelings, how to communicate and advocate for ourselves, we get really yeah, sometimes stubborn about this is how I feel and I want to tell people how I feel. And a lot of times the lines get blurred between feeling how you feel and acting how you act. And that there is a big difference between being able to express how you feel, but also being able to conduct your behavior in healthy and respectful uh, ways. And a lot of times I think people just kind of let loose for a little bit. And that's part of like the pendulum swing and it happens. But I think we also have to find balance in being really authentic in how we feel, but also learning how to conduct our behavior in more of a positive way. So that's what inspired me to bring up this topic. I don't know if you have a specific place you want to start or anywhere that your mind works when I say so many places, right? It's, (laughs) you know, we talk about emotional behavior, right? And I think this is where the the culture of Karen came from, right? That the emotional behavior and guys, I'm not kidding. Like this is inside the spiritual community, outside the spiritual community. It is everywhere where somebody is allowing their emotional compass to dictate their feelings. So I don't know if I have one or 20 places. I want to start on this one because this one is a big one, especially I think nowadays. So I might as well dive in with that. You know, what are our options when it comes to our behavior? We have choice and we have reactionary right we either are working on something and choosing how we want to act or we're reacting and then figuring out what happened later Um, and sometimes those reactions are very very normal and sometimes they're necessary right we're in a fight or flight situation or we're fighting for our life there's no time in those moments to think Um, but a lot of times we operate or people operate at such a high level of stress or they keep themselves within that fight or flight response or that emotional response on a consistent base and they feel very out of control with their behavior. So we can, I think we could spend a lot of time, you know, cracking jokes and trading Karen stories, whether you're listening to this or not listening to this or what's the male equivalent for, to the Karen story, by the way, is it? 
Kyle, I think Kyle, is the Kyle sorry slash <laughs> Karen Kyle stories. Um, right. But I think I want to dive into a little bit more on the empathetic side and move into what it's like to be in that frame of mind and how do we start breaking those cycles to move more into a choice. You know, when things are calm and level and we're choosing how we want to act, whether, you know, even if it's something simple, let's let's bring it all the way back to something super simple that I think everybody has probably been the, you know, a participant in at least. I'm sure we've all had a family dinner at one point in time that there's a member of the family there that maybe we don't necessarily, it, it doesn't even have to be that we don't like them. But maybe we tolerate them or maybe they're, you know, the the family clown or maybe they're just like super inappropriate or maybe they're just like a little crazy. Who knows? But usually every family's got one um, or two. You never know. Um, and, you know, in those moments, a lot of times, especially around that kind of event, we get all understanding just dealing with something. Right. We're maybe not reacting to them. Maybe it's rolling off our back and we're just like, Ugh. you know. We're just like, oh, whatever. We're just going to get to the dinner and it's going to be okay. I'm just going to choose not to react to those situations. Mm -hmm. um, that is a sense of control within one's own life. That it's the the starting point of the avenue to really control our behavior on the outside when it comes to the world and how we live our lives. Because our behavior is the only one true thing we can control. Yeah. Right? We, there's well, not we, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of stories and modalities and spiritual practices out there that, you know, give the illusion of control for the things that happen around us. Um, and you can't, there's nothing out there that controls the external influences within your life other than your choice to be there or not. But then again, you're controlling your behavior. And this is where a lot of those stories fall apart really quick or those modalities or those teachings, because it's a bit of an illusion when you're talking about being able to control somebody else and you're just controlling the space that you choose to be in, mm -hmm. right? Or the, the influence that they have over your life, <clears throat> but the choice and the control actually comes down to what you choose in that moment to where you choose to participate out in the world and the level of influence that you choose to have in your life or the circles you choose to have in your life. The base always comes down to that choice of control. Yeah. Right. And it can be a very, very scary thing for a lot of people when they do, when they're on the other side of the coin and they are feeling out of control and they are feeling like they're doing a lot of hindsight work. Right. Yeah. And it, it can be really exhausting for a lot of people to always have to go back and apologize or always have to go back and undo something that was done or go back and maybe repeat what was done because they didn't like how they did it the first time. So why don't I kick that back to you off of that one specific note about, you know, the, the feeling of lost control with people, that exhaustion within somebody. Mm -hmm. and why, why don't you kind of dive into that from your perspective? Well, I think what you're talking about is really important because there's there's two sides of this coin, as there always is. There's there's the first side, which is usually the starting point, not always, but of not validating your own experience. And then we jump into the other side of trying to control and that we get a little bit of, gently speaking, kind of not really entitlement for those emotions and we want them to exist and we want people to know they exist and we want to feel validated. And then coming back into a space where you can feel how you feel and you can not like that person and you can feel as though maybe they're obnoxious or, you know, they take up too much space or blah, 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 whatever the feeling is. And at the same time, 
control your behavior. You know, a lot of times that's really what you're saying is that's where like the power comes from is be in touch with your emotions, feel how you feel, feel it authentically, be true to yourself. But those rash responses, those retaliations, those things that just fall out of your mouth that you're like, I probably should have kept that inside. Like that wasn't necessary. Those things, like you were saying, those are the things we have to go back and apologize for. Those usually end us with sitting at the end of the night, replaying that on a loop, being like, did I need to do that to feel okay at the end of this day? Um, and the answer is usually no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but everyone, you know, lightly speaking, everyone is allowed to kind of be who they are and everyone can also exist in that space. Um, a lot of times when we talk about teaching someone how to feel their feelings, um, we can't just run around screaming at everybody all of the time because those people that are around us now were causing emotional reactions in other people who also don't have the capacity to control their behavior. And it just becomes this huge, big mess of fighting for who is allowed to have feelings. Yeah. Um, it becomes a huge bucket of hypocrites. Yeah. Right. You know, the beauty of the person yelling the loudest about you must recognize how I feel yeah. is the person dismissing the most other people's feelings. Yes. Right. Now we can take feelings out of it for a second. Right. The way somebody thinks, the way somebody acts, mm-hmm. you have to recognize this. You have to recognize this. You have to, you know, whatever it might be. The moment you have to say you have to, you're yeah. ignoring something. Mm-hmm. Right. And who are you in those moments to take away that person's free will, even if it's to be a dickhead? Yeah. Right? You're trying to impose your will over top of them and saying, you have no free will. The only thing you can do is obey my free will so that I feel good about myself at the end of the day. And it never ends good. Mm-hmm. Right? Or, yeah, it, it very rarely gets in the reaction that they want unless somebody's used to being bullied into maybe not making a fight or to being the peacemaker in that organization. And then they just enable the person or, you know, pander them enough that they kind of calm down and they excuse themselves from the situation, but that's not progress. And that's not a healthy connection. No. And I think that's a really important part also for being on the other side of those conversations of, you know, trying to maybe establish a boundary in a moment or whatever it may be and say, you know, you can't, you can't talk to me like this. Like this is not, I won't have this conversation and someone retaliates or responds with, I'm allowed to feel how I feel. You are allowed to feel however you want to feel, but I will not engage in this behavior with you. Like Mm -hmm. when you can conversate like an adult, you can feel how you feel, how you want all over the place. But those are separate things. They're very separate. And it's come from a, it comes from a weird twisted place, I think, in the psyche where the person that is, you know, aggressively trying to get somebody to appreciate how they feel or act or speak or whatever it might be is thinking that that's easier, right? Mm -hmm. Because if they just thought the way I thought, if they just did this, like we've all said things like that along the way. I've said that multiple times, right? If everybody thought how I thought or loved how I loved, this world would be a different place, Mm -hmm. right? I've said that for sure. Um, But it's never easier because it never solves the problem. But it gets it gets run under this flag of being easier because 
you know, talking about it and moving through it properly or, excuse me, taking into somebody else's feelings into account before a decision is made or how that reaction is going to be seems super uncomfortable. Right. But the cool part about that is when we talk about going forward with clean hands or, you know, not having to worry about that bucket of regret that usually we're obsessing about or overthinking about later that night. I'm still, should I have done this? What do they think of me? You know, I have to go back and apologize now, whatever it might be. The cool part is if you feel uncomfortable in the beginning and you move through that a lot slower with control, even if it's setting a boundary, even if it's telling somebody you need space for them or whatever it might be, your bucket of regret at the end of the night is usually empty. There's nothing there to regret. You might have, you know, said, oh, that was super uncomfortable and that was really difficult for me to stand up for myself or really difficult for me to exit that situation or just to not play into that. However, the the, the teeter-totter of that is you kind of, well, if we just kind of use a loose metaphor, we, we pay the price of uncomfort on the beginning so we don't have any uncomfort on the end. Yeah. Versus the some of the people that are reacting emotionally and not giving much thought to their actions or words or how they affect the people around them. In the beginning, it just flies out of their mouth with very little effort. And then the teeter-totter is they have a big bucket of regret on the end. Yeah. And I think I'm having a, a I was kind of giggling in my mind. It's a personal reflection moment in my own, in my own growth. Because I used to have like, a, used to is a light word, but I've like, so we have certain things that when we say or certain thoughts or things just fly out of our mouth, it's kind of like a warning signal that we may be entering into not a healthy space or we may need to take a moment to breathe. And a big one for me was like, I just want to be heard. And when I started to feel that or think you're just not listening, which is very similar to I just want to be heard, we started to get in this battle of experiences with people and you're trying to project so hard, like you have to hear me. And that person obviously is not having the capacity to hear you. They also want to be heard. And then you don't have the capacity to hear them because all you want to do is be heard. And this battle becomes of like, I'm just sticking up for myself. Yeah. Absolutely. And like, you just got to take a big, deep breath because like you don't need someone else to hear you for that, for you to feel how you feel. Not at all. And that's, you know, back to that. We talked about the big bucket of hypocrisy. Now that's a a bit more confrontational way to say, you know, we could talk about the spiritual practice of the mirrors, right? When you are screaming at the world or at the group that, you know, you're not being heard or no one's listening or you want somebody to listen, there's a good chance that, that you're not the one that's listening, right? So this one kind of plays back and forth, whichever way you want to play it, it doesn't matter. But you, you, you hit the nail right on the head, right? Nobody needs to listen to me for me to have a feeling. Nobody listen needs to listen to me for me to think a process through in my head or decide how I want to conduct myself within that group or that situation or that event. Nobody need, even needs to agree with me. Right. And it's, I, I think a lot of that, it also washes over. We did an episode a long time ago about needing validation from others in those moments. Um, and I think there's a, a a vein of that in there as well, because if somebody hears you, if somebody says it's okay, if somebody says they understand, if somebody says you're right, if somebody feeds into your ego, right, then it's okay for you to feel what you feel because somebody else said it's okay. Right. And I think there's a lot of that that's happening and it, it's really multi-layered because this isn't as simple as this happened. This is what I did. It means this. Mm-hmm. 
right? When we're dealing with human beings, there's a lot of textbooks out there that want you to believe that's what it is. And I think there's a lot of people that wish it was that simple, but it's not. People are complex and they're beautiful and they're layered with, you know, the context of their own life and maybe their own trauma, if that's what we're talking about, or maybe their own experiences or their own coping mechanisms, or even their own tools to deal with stress. Those are all layered on top of each other. And those all matter in that moment compared to that person's context who is trying to figure out whether they want to react or not react. Mm -hmm. Then on the flip side, whatever they're reacting to is also full of context of individuality and layering context of trauma and coping mechanisms and tools to deal with stress. So we have two completely different forms of context that are, you know, coming head to head in this moment. And none of that matters because it's still happening, whether you like it or not, whether somebody agrees with you or not, or feeds into your ego or not, that event is still happening. And I think that the hard truth as well for a lot of people is we will act in a lot of different ways. I'll just say it like that, to try and get validation for how we feel. And it usually ends with us sitting at the end of the day, exhausted, emotionally exhausted, but saying, oh, I wish I didn't have to act that way for you to listen to me. And the truth is, is that you didn't have to act that way. Oh, true. So true. <laughs> you made me do this. I would be nicer if you did this. Uh, yeah. We wouldn't have all these fights as a couple all the time if you would just listen. Mm -hmm. right? All these, you know, weaponized statements, because that's what they are, mm -hmm. right? They're, they're a form of manipulation, they're a form of control, and they're a form of, I wouldn't go as far as saying bullying, but the mentality yep. is the same, right? It's, it's almost like you're browbeating somebody every time they have an opinion that yeah. our marriage would be better if you didn't have your opinions. Yeah obviously an oversimplification, but right. Anytime that comes up, anytime that happens, right. It's, it's, well, I shouldn't say anytime because there, I think there's some odd, you know, some examples out there that are legitimate, right? Yeah. Um, but let's say for the most part, when that sentence come up, it's a weapon. Mm -hmm. You may not realize it's weapon. It's maybe not one that shoots a bullet, but it is a weapon. Yeah. If you only did this better, if you were a better person, I would love you more. If you respected me more, I would give you more love. If, if you, you loved more, me more, I would give you more respect. If right? you were more obedient, I wouldn't have to be so mean. That's Whoa. really well for yeah. <laughs> That's true. And then all of a sudden somebody says, okay, I'll be more obedient. Let's take that example. It's a good one. Yeah. Um, and I'll be more obedient. And they still find a reason to blow up because that yeah. wasn't the issue. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what they think the issue is, or that's what the fight was about, or that was the point that they are having problems healing from or moving into. So it becomes the flag, but it ain't the problem. And I think that when we learn, as we're learning how to respect our own emotions, of course, there always is, as I said at the beginning, kind of a pendulum swim of like kind of learning balance with it. But at the same time, we learn how to respect and validate our own emotions. That has to go for everybody in the room at the same time. And when you're trying to force someone into seeing your experience, like you're taking that also validation away from them. And to think that, I mean, I've been a big, uh, <laughs> I've made this mistake a lot of times, especially when I was a little bit younger. But to think that I am going to yell or scream or behave someone out of their own experience in the midst of conflict is a bit ridiculous and unrealistic because 
when people are both so heated in their own emotions and obviously no one's listening to anybody, like, what are we doing? Like, where are we trying to go? We, you are trying to get each other to forfeit your own self-validation. And that in itself, regardless of how right you may think or even may be, is still not healthy. Yeah. In truth, yeah, I love that that comparison, whether you're how right you may think you may, may be. Mm-hmm. Because that's one that I think it's stretched so far and so thin, it even gets incorporated into the lies. Yeah. Right now, let me let me let me go a little deeper into that, because just cause. Um, if a situation is black and white and you have somebody that's arguing something that is tangibly right versus tangibly wrong, right? Um, that makes sense. But now what if we step into opinion? What if we step into experience? And this is where the whole story of, you know, my truth, you know, there's a lot of times, especially right now in the spiritual movement that that sentence literally makes my eye twitch, right? Because people then pervert it into something that it's not. Because my truth doesn't change how my car drives. My truth does not change how the rain falls out of the sky. My truth does not change the color of the sky. Um, and all of these things that are tangibly, you know, black and white, yes or no, right or wrong. It is what it is. But it gets stretched over top of something when we get into an opinion. And then it gets perverted into I'll use it for whatever I want because it's my narrative. And then I can choose to blatantly, you know, run around. It's like the story I told, I think it was last week's on the, the podcast about, you know, um, the donkey arguing with the, the tiger, right? About the sky's blue. And then tiger then brought it before the lion and the lion punished the tiger for wasting his time bringing such a, an argument before him. Um, and they even end up telling the donkey he was right, right? The donkey says the sky's blue. He says, you're right. Go ahead on your way. And then he punished the tiger after that for wasting so much time and arguing about something that is a fool's errand. But a lot of these topics get stretched so thin that they become fuel for somebody's own narrative. Right? I got to live my truth. Well, you're being a dick to everybody else in the world. Well, that's my truth. I'm like, okay, well, cool, do your thing, but don't try to don't try to sell it to me as it's part of truth. Uh-huh. And I think a, a big level of self-awareness, in my opinion, is when you can establish like fact from truth or f- f- sorry, fact from narrative, right? Like truth from story. And especially in those conversations that we've been talking about, I think when you have an awareness of, OK, this is my narrative right now. I I, I don't know if I mentioned it on here. Or we were talking about it privately, but um, Renee Brown, she's a couples therapist and she talks about the my stories theory. And she goes into like when you have conflict in your relationships, you say, okay, so these are the facts. And those facts created this story in my head. And that's why I'm upset. Even breaking it down for yourself, not even just articulating it to someone else, but to yourself of going, this is A, B, and C, factually true, no matter what you look at it. But then I have this story that I've attached that made me feel like you didn't care about me or that you weren't listening to me or da 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 recognize that that is the story you're telling yourself, which is causing an emotional reaction. Uh, that folds us back into the podcast so beautifully, Dana, because now we get back into the emotional reaction versus behavior. Yes. Right. And those type of things and those battles are fought over emotional reactions, <laughs> over the story that we're telling ourselves then, or that we want to tell others, which is even more toxic. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. I'm going to fight this battle so that I can go tell this story after, right? And I'm going to make these problems my own because I saw on Instagram, this is something I should fight for, even though I have no experience with it or real no opinion of it or no research over it. But I saw this thing or this group is this, or my coworker said this, or this happened to somebody that I know that somebody knows somebody, so that's know somebody. And so therefore it's now my battle. Now, see, now we're getting back into what's stretchable, what's not, and where you get back into that topic about what your truth really means, right? And those reactions will always come from the emotional side because it, it, you're right. It is the story that somebody is telling themselves and it is the story that they're creating in their head. And another thing that I think is a con- <laughs> <And> another thing <laughs> is the consequence of the, the external validation, right? A lot of times we have a, a hard time like really standing within our own stories. So whether it's a TV show you're watching or someone you follow on TikTok or whatever it be, they talk about their experience. And for example, say they're talking about their, maybe they're in an abusive relationship and they have all these partners had this red flag and they said these awful things and they tried to manipulate like that. And the, these are the signs of a narcissist. Mm-hmm. And then you're in a conversation and one line gets said that's the same is the video you saw or the TV show you saw. And oh my gosh, you're a narcissist. I knew it. And now you're not listening to And now we're just finding this relatability and assimilation with someone else's story because that's what makes us feel validated. That's what makes us feel like we're right. Oh my goodness, you're, you've been manipulating me because and I didn't know it till you said these three words that I saw in a red flag video. And you're not even like you've totally taken yourself out of your experience. And it, this person could be 100% completely genuine. But we're so, so many people are so far out of the moment of their own life that they're just waiting for these like trigger sentences to have these emotional reactions that aren't even their own anymore. Yep. Like, uh, yeah. This narcissist always cooked with salt. And also you reach for the salt shaker when you're, you know, you're making up a potato salad. And you're just like, <laughs> Oh my God. Now I want to make light of this because it's, it's so prevalent right now in the society, but I want to use such a silly example of you grabbing for the salt shaker for a second, because the people that don't even know how to cook will, will cost the person that grabs the salt shaker, right? Three minutes of research or three minutes of reading an article or three minute conversation with your friend. Um, you assume that, you know, the context and you assume that you know the inner workings and you already know the truth of their story, mm-hmm. right? Because you're still being told a story. Let's, let's use the friend for an example. Your friend is telling you a story, whether it was a, a deep confidential moment or a got together over a drink and maybe you're venting or whatever it might be, or maybe lifelong friend that you know all the tea for this. friend. Cool. But they're still telling you a story. They're still telling you their version of what's happening which is through the story they've been telling themselves, which is through their emotional filter. So you're not getting the full truth, right? Now, I'm not saying, and I'm not defending any, you know, kind of abuse or situation like that. It can be very, very awful, but it's also very messy. And it's full of a lot of half-truths and it's full of a lot of interpretation and it's full of a lot of opinions. And it is, no matter which way you slice it, you're going to get mud on your boots. But through three minutes of research sometimes, we already figured that we're a professional chef and that you shouldn't be cooking with salt because of it. Right? Dismissing the complete rest of the context of why you need salt in the damn food anyway. 
Yeah. And then we lose the the tangible, like we were talking about the response of our own emotional reactions. Now we're having emotional reactions to somebody else's facts. And these these conflicts, these interactions, it seems in society are getting just messier and messier and messier because we don't even know our own context and our own story because we're constantly comparing it to everyone else. And well, they had this emotion, so they reacted like this. So this is the right way to act. And we're forgetting our own context because the only full story we are aware of is our own. Ah, sometimes. Eh, the closest you're going to get anyway. <laughs> right. Maybe something that's enlightened is more aware yeah. of their story. But I would say, you know, as an aggressive as this sounds, most people that I encounter on a day-to-day basis are not aware of their own story. That's true. They're aware of their own narrative but they are not aware of their own story. Mm-hmm. And I want to take this last point that you're talking about where we really, we have these groups of people in today's society that's that's functioning around off of somebody else's facts, you said. Mm-hmm. you know. And I, I, I want to bring back up validation because I think this also plays a role in this because they're either trying to over-validate somebody because there's that compensation that happens, right? I want to be validated by everybody that hears about my drama or my tea. So I think there's an expectation out there. The moment somebody says anything, even if it's not true, somebody just rushes in to say, oh, I have to validate it because that's what we do. And then the mob mentality grows. And all of a sudden, if you're able to walk it backwards from an outsider's perspective, you realize this all came down about a damn salt shake. And now you're already, you're gearing up for war and you're putting on battle paint and you're accosting this person or trying to wreck their reputation or you're trying to do all these other things like, what we see developing in cancel culture. Yeah. Right. Because we must destroy that based off of somebody else's facts that we have no proof or no tangible evidence to say though. But we were so quick to run in there and validate the person. We, we feel obligated now to keep going mm-hmm. because the moment, even if we run across proof that, you know, salsas may be good for you in a certain amount, even if we want to cross proof now, we don't want to eat crow. We certainly don't want to be the one to say we were wrong. So we're going to turn a blinder to that proof and we're going to plow straight ahead, dismissing now things that maybe we would have looked at if we were in a clear head and we were in control of our reactions and we weren't reacting emotionally. And we were able to kind of take into our own filter and decide, is this good or is this bad? Is this, you know, I I really like salt, you know, especially when it comes to something like on a steak, man, you got (laughs) it. And I'm not, I don't want to stretch this, this metaphor too far away from today's topic, but. But that's what we do. That's what, yeah, exactly. But especially in today's society, like you'll have someone that has like that one similar or cross path within the narrative and someone online or someone that's your friend will convince you that you are a victim, that you didn't think you were to begin with, that you are a victim to validate their own story. Oh my God, that happened to you. That happened to me. Now come come here. Come here. I have to tell you all the ways that this harmed your life or this affected you or this ruined your life. And that person never even felt that way to begin with. But now they're like, oh my goodness, I never thought of that. Like, And it's just these assuming everybody else's facts and narratives and stories. And then we wonder why, back to the today's point of the topic, where we started anyways, um, why people have such a dispersion between their feelings and their behaviors because we're not even trusting ourselves or following our own responses and that's why i jumped on that one so quick about people not knowing their own story yeah 
right? Because it's true, right? It's not just a thing to make people or the audience sit out there and think, saying, oh my goodness, because I know half them out there, do I know myself? Uh, <laughs> right? One of the most blessing, the biggest blessings that we have on this rock that's spinning around the sun um, is the ability to explore and learn who we are. Mm-hmm. Not be told who we are, not be labeled with some sort of mass-produced version of who you are, but to learn who you are. Yeah. Right? The expectation is that you don't, you don't have the entitlement that somebody's going to teach you who you are. You will run across many teachers in your life, but it's your responsibility to learn. Mm-hmm. Right? The teacher doesn't matter. The student's willingness to learn. And this is something, you know, I taught you when you were a kid going through junior high and we talked about you run across some teachers that you liked and some teachers you definitely did not. (laughs) And one of my first things is I I don't care. Right. And it wasn't to be mean. It was saying that you are in that classroom and you are the one that's responsible to learn. You can learn things from a bad person. You can learn something because somebody isn't paying you the same attention that they are the, you know, the the top student or the favorite student or whatever it might be. And also now you're jealous and you're trying to tell yourself a narrative that the teacher is horrible and, you know, they don't teach the rest of the class. They only teach two people in the class and, you know, all this other thing that this narrative that you're trying to step into, which is normal for kids. Like it's not a, it's not a bad thing, but I really wanted to emphasize to you at a very young age that the teacher didn't matter. Mm -hmm. You know, I can walk into a room and sit in a guest lecture on just about any topic and the guy can be a good speaker, a bad speaker, you know, have horrible technical issues with his slides. He can have all these other things go wrong, be interrupted in the middle of, you know, his lecture, whatever it might be. But if I choose to learn, I can learn. Right. If I also walk into that classroom with the best teacher in the world, super, you know, charming and charismatic and you know, makes the class laugh and gets them super engaged. But if I walk into that classroom and I choose not to learn, there is nothing that he's going to teach. Mm-hmm. Right. So in those moments, the responsibility lays with the student. And if we can understand that as a core concept, then the responsibility to tell you who you are is with you, which means the only person that can truly validate you is you. Because everything else is temporary. And everything else is usually done for motivations that are outside of your privy. But when you start learning to validate yourself, when you start learning to choose how you're going to act based off of who you want to be, oh, that gets into a, that's a full body goosebump. Well, you know, I think we could go on and on about this topic. I, I don't even know where the time went to this podcast, to be honest with you, but I think we're going to wrap it up there. So for everybody that's listening, I hope this made you think, and I hope you, you know, get curious with who you are and what dictates how you act. I think that's a great starting place for everybody listening to this, or even the people that you guys come in contact to, to just to see if you can crack the door a bit with somebody and teach them what you've learned here today. So on that note, Know that you are loved more than you know, and have a wonderful day. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen and for being a part of our community. 
please don't forget to take a moment to rate and review the podcast. And if you'd like to share with us how this episode made you feel or made you think, click the link in our description to send us a piece of fan mail anonymously. If you're thinking about taking the next step in your journey, head over to angelichealing.ca to learn more about our team, our programs, our courses, our workbooks, our social media accounts, and much, much more. Until next time, you are loved and appreciated more than you know.